What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scars. I'm Mike. With me again is everybody. We had so much to talk about during the last episode that it spilled over into this one. So let's keep the hot takes rolling. Let's go! Everything was just falling into place. Funky Azil cuts inside. With this one, Malone. Oh, so So we had so much fun on the last episode, and uh, we got such positive feedback that we felt like we had to just keep doing this. Everybody can speak at once. How was your weekend? Everybody, welcome back. Busy. Good. Busy. Yeah. Laura Ellen, what did your, what did your label great. just say there? Oh, th- this side says Laura Ellen wants to speak, and this side <laughs> says Mongols, you suck. But the you suck was toward the Twitter comment that we're going to talk about in a moment, and then I drew bunny ears. So for those who can't see, Laura Ellen has made flashcards that she can then hold up. Because as one might imagine, you know, with this many people, we now have seven people that are on the show at the same time. It, um, it becomes a bit of a logistical headache to make sure that we're not talking over each other at all times. So I, I very much appreciate the Laura Ellen wants to speak card and we can sort of call on her. But uh, yeah, just sort of painting the picture. One thing that I did start to look into between the last episode and this one was how we could potentially sort of record these and maybe do them live in the future because there's a number of shows that sort of I follow over in England and they do a lot of stuff on Facebook Live. I personally loathe Facebook, so I don't want to do that. But there might be some options that we might be able to do some live shows with all of us in the future, which I think could just be a ton of fun. Um, But what Laura Ellen was referencing was we did get some blowback on Twitter about sort of the last question that I asked on the last show. This is So this is sort of part two of our, our 2020 season wrap-up. And uh, the question that I asked was whether or not we thought that Kenny Forbes would be back come the 2021 season. And um, I think the vast majority of us, a majority of us said yes. Um, and if not, he would be on Lily's coaching staff. But uh, the the point of that question was not so much, and this could actually lead into another question that starts us off here. The question was not so much, is is Kenny trash? Kenny is not trash. Kenny will likely end up being, I mean, let's put it this way. If he didn't get injured, he was likely sort of a sure bet to be an all-USL player again for sort of the second season in a row. So I don't think any of us would sort of doubt that. But what we saw while Kenny was out sort of the progression of this team um, you know, is it something where it is a foregone conclusion that Kenny is a starter in this team moving forward? Or do we feel that we saw a different team when Kenny, when Kenny came back as to when he was gone and whether or not that's a good thing or that's a bad thing. So does anybody have any thoughts on that? Laura Ellen, I'll start with you. Yes, because I was the one last week who said no, that I didn't think he would be back. And that is not, I'm not on Twitter. So that is not because I think Kenny sucks, because I think that is the farthest thing from the truth. I think there may be several reasons why Kenny may not be back. You know, and you asked us to give a one word answer. And so I followed the rules and gave one word answer <laughs> but um now you're in and now i got right. yelled at um <laughs> not my fault i didn't make the rules 
Um, but I think, right, I think there could be many rules. His injury may be more extensive. You know, he may have pushed it the last, like, couple games that he played. And so, you know, his injury may be more extensive. I don't have any insider knowledge. I'm just, you know, making something up. Um, he may want to transition to be on the coaching staff now. Like, he may be ready for that. You know, as we talked about last week, he and his family have kind of made their lives here and so he maybe he wants that stability uh maybe uh the riverhounds aren't gonna pay him what he deserves and so he's gonna go somewhere else you know that's also a possibility so i mean i think there are many reasons none of which is kenny's trash no one was saying that um that's all yeah mm-hmm. yeah i would also add to that like because i said Better question would be, should he be back? Um, so I'm reminded of Kevin Kerr. Uh, it's a situation with Kerr where I, no one thought Kerr was trash and everyone was kind of sad to see him not, you know, be called back. But, you know, maybe it was time, you know, up there in age, not as good as it used to be, blah, blah, blah. I would argue that both of them have a similar situation where I think they're still good players and they could have a place. It's just is it that time in their career where they want to start focusing on something else? I will say, though, I think Forbes is more likely to come back than Kerr was uh, after his last season, both because he was still getting mostly start time when he was not injured, and also, and this one might just be a perceived bias, but Kerr wasn't a Lily guy. Kerr was a Riverhounds guy. Forbes is a Lily guy. He's been with Lily. So this is a situation where I think Lily might have a little bit more understanding of him of where he can be used and has you know is willing to work with him with that more so than maybe he was with Kerr. Yeah, I think the the better question may have been not is Kenny back next season, but is Kenny a default in the starting eleven come next season? Gotcha. Um, because like we said. There were moments, and we're gonna we're this this episode is is meant to be much more I don't want to say positive than the last episode, but there were a lot of things like hopes and dreams that we had wanted to talk about last week, and we just you know we were already at an hour, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in this episode. But I think that there were moments this season where we saw glimpses of what this team could be, and I think that part of that is tied to some of the added benefits that somebody like Ryan James James brought to the holding midfield position, like additional speed and things like that, that just as you continue to get older, you, and it's not a knock on Kenny as a person, you just sort of lose a bit of a step. Um, And so it's just, could we see Kenny in the, you know, we talked about early the season when you're sort of picking your, your, your top 11 and it's, he's just the default name. Is he a default name next year? Kev, do you think that Kenny is a default name in the starting 11 next year? I think so much of it depends on who leaves and who comes in. Um, I think the challenge right now with, with our team at the end of the season was I, we weren't super deep at midfield. Um, you know, you had Mertz and Griffin who were, reliably in there um and i think maintain a relatively high standard for the entire season and then you had ryan james who could who could play there and play there really well but of course then that leaves a gap somewhere else on the team past them you could say you can play velarde in the midfield but even then i mean lily doesn't seem to like to play velarde there um he kind of he's more of a sub late on or hope start him in a more advanced position and ask him to drop back so you're left kind of scratching your head and you're right i mean he, he just Kenny doesn't have the 
industry that those other players have. And I think, yeah, you can you can carry him a bit from that aspect because what he brings, I think Kenny is the most technically gifted player we have. I think he's probably one of the most intelligent players we have. Um, but, you know, I'm still reminded, I forget what game it was, but uh, where, yeah, Kenny found himself on the side of a midfield three on like the left side and he didn't close down his man properly. L- Lily yelled at him and he immediately looked at Mertz and said, switch with me. Like, I'm not closing this <laughs> down. Like, like, I'm playing in the middle. And um, so, yeah, I think it just, it depends. I, it depends on the system. I mean, and, and it depends on who comes in. But yeah, I mean, he's an incredibly gifted player that I think, uh, given the right situation, can can thrive uh, a lot in, in a Riverhounds team. So okay, I was gonna answer that, but first I want to go to say one other thing. What a cool thing that we got out of the crappiness of a season with COVID that like we can see those types of things happening and hear those types of things happening that Kev just really. We got to look at things that you normally would never see between coaches and players and players and players on the field, which for me was a really cool thing, but that's a different, different topic. So um, I question whether Kenny should be a starter, but I have a really hard time seeing Bob Lilly not do everything he can to resign him. And I just don't see a Bob Lilly making a decision at this point where he does not put Kenny Forbes in a starting 11 until Kenny is continually demonstrating that he just can't cut it. Like, I think he has so much trust in him. But my problem with that is we saw Ryan James step into that position when Kenny got injured. And if we can sort out the left back issue and bring in somebody that can play left back almost as good as Ryan James, both offensively and defensively, and put Ryan James in that position, we're a stronger team. I think that we said something really important earlier, which is Forbes is a Lily guy. So at least for the first three to five games, I think he's going to be a starter because he's played in that system where he's expected to play in many different positions and play them well. And while Bob figures out his team, and if he brings in as many people as he has every other year, he's going to need that. So at least at the beginning of the season, I think we need Kenny to be a starter. I think that's fair. I mean, one of the other things that we've talked about a lot sort of off air is in on air. I think, Kevin, I can't remember if you brought this up during a a regular show or during an after show, but we've talked a lot about Lily coaching from the sideline. And we talked a little bit off air last week about uh, for those who haven't seen the show Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV Plus, I think it's called. Uh, The show is amazing. But there's a scene where... um, Ted Lasso is talking to his kid. Uh, Ted Lasso, just to set the stage, Ted Lasso is a football coach in America who goes over and coach a fictitious team in the Premier League. Um, and uh, and so his his kid is talking to him, and he's like, Dad, you know, like I don't see you really doing anything during the game. And Ted Lasso's like, well, that's the whole point. Like, you know, I sort of coach the guys during the week. I put the plan in place, and then, like, they go and do their thing. And then, Kev, you sent me a video um, earlier this week of an interview with Klopp where they were talking about, you know, how do you prepare for Everton? Um, and, uh, you know, especially after coming off a 7-2 loss to Villa, uh, how do you prepare? And he said... <laughs> had to say that, didn't I you? had to add had that to in. Say I'm sorry. That. Yes, Listen, absolutely. this is still your fault. You are the one that encouraged me to pick Everton League team. Anyway, um, and, and he said, like, look, you know, you can prepare all week, but when you get to the game, that's when the preparation kicks in, and there's not a ton I can do from the sidelines. And so I think that there is a there a, there's an aspect of it where 
Lily is going to coach from the th- – that is Lily's style. He is going to coach from the sideline. If he evolves and says, I'm not going to do that, I think that the one thing he can trust in is Kenny Forbes being that coach on the field. So, Liz, to your point of, like, at least he's in there for the first five, six, seven, eight games, he is Lily on the field incarnate. So, like, I, I, I tend to agree. I think it's hard to say that, you know, he's not a starter, at least until you find – somebody else that can sort of be Lily incarnate that he doesn't have to get yelled at, you know, constantly. I don't know. Justin, what do you feel about all of this? Yeah. I mean, there's kind of two thoughts, right? I think it's, it's, (laughs) it's silly to me. And I think it, I think it's just coming off of the pain of, of getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs and stuff. But I think it's like silly to me that we're talking about a top five midfielder in USL and we're wondering if he's going to be a starter next year. Like, He's going to be a starter. If he if he plays and he's in a Riverhounds jersey, he's going to be a starter. I have no doubt about that. I and, and kind of on the flip side of that, like Ryan, I mean, Ryan James, as good as he was in the midfield, Ryan James is going to be good no matter where you put him on the field. He's got enough defensive acumen. He's got enough offensive acumen. He's going to be good no matter where you put him on the field. I still think we we need him at left back, and I think I think I would I, I still like that lineup more. I still like the lineup more of of Forbes in the midfield and then and then Ryan James at left back and I'm just not at the point that I like uh every on a consistent you know on every game um be sticking Danny Griffin in the midfield or be sticking um you know uh somebody somebody else there in in that holding midfield spot I I would rather Kenny Forbes still sit there and I think the benefit that you have of that is you have a guy like Tommy V sitting right behind him who can step up into midfield, who can play with a little more speed and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I just, I don't see if either of those guys, if both those guys stay, which I assume both of them will, um, I just don't see the lineup in that part of the field changing too, too much. I was going to sort of segue that into a question that isn't into our agenda, but um, I'll do it anyway, and we'll do it really quickly. Uh, we'll just sort of go around the horn. Ryan James. Have that, you met us? What's that? What? Quickly. What? Huh? Have you who? met us quickly? What? I'm sorry, what? One word answers? Okay. Who? What? Yeah, right. Liz, I'm going to start with you. I, I totally uh, missed that you said one word last week. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Liz, are you ready? Take a sip. All right, you good? Okay, here we go. Ryan James, is he playing at left back or midfield next year? You're asking the wrong question because <laughs> I don't pay. I, I am not that detailed. Someone answer for me. Josh, what are we doing? Tell me what my answer is. Uh, left back still. Okay, that's what I say too. <laughs> uh, left back, but I want him in midfield. Not want him work. Kev, it just depends who we bring in. But yeah, I think he's he's better at left. One back. word yeah. answer coming. Laura Allen. <laughs> midfield. Okay, Justin. Both. <laughs> what are you, Kevin? <laughs> no, no, no. Because Kevin, I think. Kevin's going to law school currently. That's a very attorney answer that you're giving in this entire show. It depends. Um, it really depends. <sighs> All right, let's let's move off the Kenny thing because, like I said, I think I think we've we've thoroughly discussed this. I think we've we've thoroughly acknowledged the fact that none of us think that Kenny is trash. That um, I think it just depends on the evolution of this team and sort of you know every year this team has sort of taken steps forward. Um, you know, we talked about last in the last episode about, you know, what is the what is the ceiling? I don't even want to say what the ceiling is for this team next year. But at what point would you be 
happy with this team going out next year. You know, if it's the conference finals, if it's the finals, where does this team finish next year? And I think that as this team continues to evolve, and we've seen Lily evolve from year to year. I think when he came in, all of us were thinking he's just a defensive guy. And this team has gradually evolved. And so whether or not we think the evolution of this team includes somebody like Kenny as a starter or not, we're all sort of leaning towards, yeah, at least until we sort of get our footing. And even beyond that, he could still be, you know, a huge central piece of this team. So um, so that's sort of where we landed. Guys, let's talk a little bit. Like I said, this this episode was sort of more, I don't want to say positive than the last one, but it's, it's definitely more wishful thinking about next season. So one of the things... I wanted to touch on is obviously when we sat down and we all got together at the beginning of this of this past season, I think a lot of us were questioning whether or not we'd have a season at all. We were sort of predicting like, ah, we'll get six weeks and COVID will take over and then the whole thing will be shut down. That clearly wasn't the case. You know, there were there were a few teams that did have COVID issues. The Hounds were not one of them. And so we were very fortunate in that regard. The team took a lot of steps. We were able to get some fans back in the stadium. You know, Steve, Josh, Liz, you guys all went to games and got to got to be there uh, and experience the games firsthand, which is fantastic. Um, so a, a lot sort of played in our favor and we were able to end the season. So let's look back on this season and let's talk about some favorite moments. Um, you know, Laura Ellen, I'm going to start with you. What was your favorite moment from the 2020 Hound season? He clearly didn't read the agenda because he said we're done <laughs> talking about Kenny. But just, I mean, it's already been discussed. I don't really need to, like, rehash it at length. But um, I would say it's probably an unpopular, but it's the correct opinion, in my opinion, <laughs> that um, the games when Kenny was out, I think it just showed um, how dynamic our team can be and what the potential is. And perhaps I think one of the things that I don't believe was previously mentioned, but perhaps um, our over-reliance on Kenny and when he was not in, um, then others really had to pick up the slack. And so I think that was really kind of my, it's not a singular moment, obviously, but kind of my favorite time period of the season. I, look, I'll echo that. I think when Kenny went down, a lot of us thought like, oh, crap. Like, you know, here's this team that's high flying and now we lose, you know, sort of our all USL midfield creative midfielder. And what we saw in response to that, at least for one game, um, was sort of this new high flying midfield that had Velarde and Griffin and Mertz just sort of cycling and, and going berserk, which was amazing. I thought that was like the next evolution of the team. And I think we only saw it for a game, maybe two. And I can't even tell you exactly what game that was because I don't do research. But um, that that was sort of my high moment was like, oh, this team has evolved and become something new. And we can survive without Kenny. We can be this new thing. And, you know, you have all of these young guys that could be this bright future for the team moving forward. And so that was sort of one of my favorite moments from the season as well. I mean, it helps when your your team's on a tear and we're not losing and we look fantastic and we're going to beat everybody. That was all great. But it was that little glimmer of like, oh, we can be something else and this can be something different and we can be successful being something else as well. That got me really excited. Um, Steve, what was uh, what was your favorite moment? Being in the stadium. So not necessarily something that has to do with like a specific uh, aspect of 
a game or anything like that. I mean, it was a great game. It was a 5-0 win against Hartford at home. Um, uh, and Peter was a few rows in front of me, and so I got him to capo my section, which was him jumping up and <laughs> pointing his fingers in the air and shouting yes, and me responding every time we scored a goal. And we did it five times, so that was fun. But it was, but more, it was being in the stadium, getting the taste of like, you know, this feels like we're home, even though it wasn't uh, the normal environment, even though it wasn't sitting in the Paul Child stands. Um, I was there, I got to see the field, I got to see the players live, so nothing else that happened this season could top that for me, because it was such a rare moment. And, and I didn't get to talk to you about this, but was was the feeling more bittersweet that you were there, or was it weird because of the circumstances, or did it just feel good? Like overall, like describe the experience of being in the stands when, like, you, like you said, you weren't in Paul Child. There obviously wasn't other people there. Did it still feel good to just be like, I'm here? Maybe a little bit of everything. Um, like, yeah, like not being over in the stands, not being up at the top uh, chatting with Justin, right? Like not seeing the Steel Army in front of me was not the same way. It felt like, honestly, it felt like going during a preseason game uh, in that sense, yeah. right? Like that's about the sparsity of the attendance. Um, but seeing the guys out there, being able to shout a little bit, um, uh, shout sir once in a while um, <laughs> though I didn't really have to uh, that much uh, the officiating was pretty on pretty pretty decent that game it was it was better than I expected um, but it, it did feel really good to be there um, to see the players live um, but you're right yeah it, it's definitely a little bittersweet in the sense that you know it wasn't a full stadium it wasn't packed um, knowing that as well like it was not a shared experience with everyone and that it was a limited experience for season ticket holders right so um so yeah in the back of my mind i mean i don't know that night i was thinking about it but in the back of my mind i wondered like what's the impact on the overall following for the team after a season like this right like will we go back next year if we go back next year and will we see a packed house or not yeah and so Josh. Yeah. Josh, favorite moment. Yeah, uh, for me it was a little bit more selfish probably, but uh, it was uh giving away the player of the year award to Ryan James. It was just kind of cool to, you know, be able to do that and just like, I don't know, first time doing it as a president. So it was really cool. I was saying in a, even though this was your first time in a season of chaos, that seemed like one of the few things that was like normal. Um it was normal, but it was also like new yeah so it was weird like because i've i've gone this uh the field like the last couple times because i've been part of the steel army uh board but i've never done it like actually be the one presenting it so yeah justin how about you favorite moment um i would i mean i would i I don't know (laughs) soccer (laughs) uh soccer was steven dos santos's brace uh you know in his first game back that was fun Mm -hmm. he came on the field 10 minutes in you know or 10 minutes and scored two goals um, I think other than that, I mean, I think favorite moment probably was the, the, like the racial justice protests, um, mm. in that Hartford game, the first one, you know, cause it was, it was so poignant and it was just so different than what every other team, you know, every other league was doing that weekend. And, and it just seemed like, 
um, you know, we were kind of in that first round of games that got to do it too. You know, I think there was a game that was supposed to be played the night before that didn't get played. And um, so it was cool that like we were kind of in the first round of games in the USL to like be able to do that. And I just thought that, that was a really cool statement and a really cool thing for the team to do. Yeah, no, that's a really good shout. I, looking back on this season, you know, one of my favorite non-Hounds things was sort of the stance that San Diego took in the Phoenix game where they basically just said, like, we're done. Like, we're not going to play. If if the ref's not going to take action and the coach isn't going to take we're, – we're walking off the field. And, you know, kudos to Landon Donovan and that whole organization, Joe Greenspan, for sort of, like, being part of that discussion and just saying, you know what, we're not going to stand for this anymore and we could just keep playing, but – we're we're gonna stand up you know for this and we're gonna walk off the field so yeah there was a lot of that this season and i think that um it's got to continue you know until this until this is eradicated it's got to continue so kudos to all the teams who participated in all of that um definitely a positive thing liz what was your favorite moment from uh, from this season so when you asked this question i was sad and bitter because we had we're out of the the playoff race. So at that time, my favorite um, memory was when you guys were on your high and the three of you talked over and over again about how amazing this team was and how unstoppable everything was. How dare you? And and I told you multiple times, you guys are tempting fate. You you are ruining this world. And you did. So this is your... So your favorite moment was when you could say, I told you so? Is that that what you're getting at? Okay, okay, great. This is my lack of surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, After some judgment from Josh about, I told you so being my favorite moment, I reevaluated... And I think that my favorite moment throughout the season has been the support of the Steel Army. So we took over sending out um, the season ticket holder packages and merchandise and just seeing some of those orders come in and being able to send them out to the fans and know that they're still connected and seeing the Discord actually grow even during this type of season. Um, that camaraderie was was my favorite thing about this season is just watching the Steel Army really grow closer and and providing so much support for each other when we really needed it. Oh, that's awesome. I would echo Justin. that too. I think like one of the things that um, you know we we had the opportunity to do like on, we don't buy jerseys all that often. I mean, I do a little bit more often than Lori Ellen does, but it was cool that like um, you know with our season ticket package, the team was like, "Hey, if you want merchandise, we'll give it to you twenty five percent off. You can use the money you paid for the season tickets. Like no big deal." So like we. Uh, you know, I got a Tommy V jersey. Laura Ellen got a Ryan James jersey. You know, they're in the, they're not with us yet. We just ordered them, but um, it's just cool to like still still support the team in some way. Yeah, no doubt. Kev, we'll we'll end on you. What was your favorite moment from the season? Probably uh, Dick was stoppage time goal uh, against Bastille uh, for the second year running in the last game of the regular season. To you know, to get a goal that we needed to get the end season result that we wanted needed. Now, granted this year it was uh, predicated on not knowing what uh, Hartford were going to do in the last game. But um, I mean, a stoppage time winner is dramatic in any context, but then given the context that we needed it to, to like at the time finish top of our group, uh, 
was really great. Can I tell you what my least favorite moment of the season was? We're, we're trying to be positive, but I'll. I'll I was just gonna say, see, not so. not signing Todd Pratzner again. That was my least favorite, because uh, <laughs> like I really wanted, you know, last season we did it. He's just like secretly almost, and I was really hoping one game this uh, this year. Are you being serious surprised. right now? I can't tell if you're being serious right now. <laughs> No, obviously that's not my least favorite. No, I just wanted to talk about Todd Pratson. Oh my gosh. Todd Pratson yeah. deserves to be talked about this on our podcast. I feel like this is going to be a thing. Like every you year you're going to find some way to work Todd Pratzner into a conversation. Okay, all right. Good. I will, until I get him back on the podcast. Uh, all right, someone reach out to 60 and still talking about Todd Pratzner. I got contacts, man. I was, I, I, his, his high school coach went to my church back in Lancaster, so I, I know that guy. This is going to end real soon. <laughs> all right, so. Wait, Mike, you have to give us a moment. I have to give you a moment? <laughs> Just yeah. reset the pod. Your favorite moment. What is my favorite moment? Oh, he already said. He already said oh, it. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> Never mind, guys. I don't know what I'm talking about. My favorite moment, Liz, was was seeing sort of the high-flying midfield of, you know, oh, Velarde, yeah. Mertz, okay. and Griffin. Thank sort you of working for reminding me. <laughs> Liz, I, I, I thought you meant like this we need to water. give... This water. I thought you meant like we need to give a moment for Todd Preston. <laughs> 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 like, <what? Yes. laughs> all right let's let's move on to the next sort of sort of question so obviously we've talked a ton about this past season um let's let's sort of look ahead because you know anytime we get into the off season we tend to try to get you know we try to get Tuffy on the show we try to get Lily on the show we try to talk to some of the players that are returning as soon as we know that we're returning right oftentimes the team first of all we need to put out that the team has been absolutely fantastic about giving us access to whoever it is that we really want to talk to we basically send an email and say we want to talk to that person or like done and you know Josh Kevin and I we really haven't taken advantage of that much this year because we sort of get into a rhythm but you know Steve and Justin you guys were able to bring in different players you guys brought in Hunter and talked to him a little bit and so if there's ever anybody that you guys specifically want to talk to or want us to talk to, just let us know and we will, we will gladly bring them in. But heading into the off season, it, it becomes another opportunity for us to really sort of, you know, look towards, you know, what is, what is the ceiling? You know, we start to have high hopes of like, well, you know, next year is the year. So let's, let's think a little bit about next year and let's, let's just open with a really sort of open-ended broad question of just what, do you wish for next season and that's it it can be about anything it can be about the stadium it can be about the team it can be about just the state of things let's try to keep it related to usl and not like the broader context of the <laughs> world at this point because i think there's a lot we could wish for but um laura ellen what do you wish for next season yes um well mine was specific to the riverhounds because that's what i thought we were talking about but <laughs> good um good. So I just, I would like to be there in person next season and probably this will happen with masks and I'm totally fine with that. I will probably be wearing, just as a personal decision, I will probably be wearing a mask out in public for A Mongols mask? A Mongols mask out in public. Just making sure. You know, probably for all of 2021 because, you know. This is the world we live in now. Um, but on the field, I think I would like to see consistency and excellence. And by this, I mean that I don't really 
feel a need to see more like blowout games where we win like five nothing or whatever i mean they're nice but what i would rather see is just the ongoing development and excellence in building through the midfield passing defense which then would then result in goals and so for me this season felt very kind of like hot cold all over the place and what i would like to see this is an analogy is I would like to be an oven which grows in intensity and then stays hot for a long time. A slow build-up. That sounds like a Lily team. <laughs> Starts out cold at the beginning right. of the season. So maybe yeah, by preheat. the beginning of the season, yeah, our preseason is the preheat, and then we okay, go cool, from cool, cool. like 350 to 450 to 500. <laughs> I'm glad we have an end temperature in mind. Yeah, I was going to okay. say, as long as we, like, you know, finish at 500, I'm okay with that. Like, this year it felt like we sort of hit 500, and then we started to dip back down into, like, 350, and that was sort of what, you know. We opened the door, and right. we just left the door open. We opened the door and check on the bread, and the whole thing deflated, and then it was over. So this is this is very much tying into, you know, the Mon Goats uh, after show that was pointed out to us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the after show is going to be all about homesteading from now on. So, um, yeah. Steve, how about you? What do you wish for next season? Well, I had an answer all figured out when I did my notes for this last week. And then I talked about that answer when I went through the difference between uh, the teams that got fielded in the past two playoff games. Uh, so it's that consistency in the roster for me. Um, I want to see the majority, and by majority I mean like uh, nine or Ten players from the starting lineup need to be back for me for me to feel really good about next season. Um, that players in the starting lineup are getting put on the bench by players that are better. Um, uh, yeah, like there's a couple places that I think we could improve in the starting lineup um, if we're just looking for like for like replacements. Um, but I want those guys coming in off the bench, right? Like, yeah, I want a strong lineup. I want us to go to a place like Louisville next year in the first or second round of the playoffs and say, hey, look, we've got the same team and we know what we're about. And now we've got a full season of continued growth under us to mature as a team, not just as individual players. Yeah, I mean, there was something that we had talked a little bit online about after the last episode that I mentioned. One of the, like the inside baseball things about this is when we're doing this show, a lot of times people are talking and we're sort of looking ahead and thinking about other things. And Steve, something that you said last episode that I heard that like I didn't hear when we were recording was you, you made the point about, can you imagine if Nico Brett is on the field and you have Mensa and Dequa on the bench trying to figure out how to get on the field in front of Nico Brett and how that ultimately makes the team better. And I just made the exact same analogy to my son today. We were watching the Hotspurs game, and I said how having Gareth Bale, while will make the team, will make the team better because Gareth Bale is there, it will make the rest of the players better because now you have additional players that are, you know, not necessarily complacent, but they think that, like, you know, my spot is solidified, but now you know Gareth Bale is there, so everybody has to up their game. As so the I res- do think that there's something that as the resident everyone Tottenham is like fan, waving. Wait, wait, as the resident Tottenham <laughs> fan, did you watch the last 20 minutes of that game? Because I, I think once <laughs> Gareth Bale got on the field, wait, Spurs looked be, pretty bad. Time fair. out. How dare you you denigrate Nico Brett by comparing him to the catastrophe that is Gareth Bale. <laughs> Listen, I don't have as much an issue with Gareth Bale as I do with his hair, but that's a whole other, you know, topic of conversation. But anyway, I think that your point is valid in that 
It's still better than Cameron Lancaster's hair. This is very... (laughs) We had a whole thing at my house about, you know, whether or not frosted tips is a good thing or bad thing for, like, this past week. And we definitely settled on it's a bad thing. But regardless... I'm um, sorry for interrupting. No, no. (laughs) I couldn't resist that one. That's right. Um, No, no, no. But I, I think that that's a very valid point. That if you're constantly trying to trade out players almost like for like, then you end up in a situation sort of where we were, where... Again, Kev, you talked about this all last season, and I think even part of this season, where you could almost predict who's coming off the bench and when. And I think that if you really want to build a strong, deep team, you need to have competition at almost every position. And, um, and that was something that we didn't necessarily see. So if you keep some of these guys around and you bring in somebody else at their same position, all of a sudden you're thinking, like, oh, crap, like I'm not a guaranteed you know, on-the-team sheet every single week and I have to earn my spot and and you work just a little bit harder and that overall just sort of lifts the entire team so yeah I I think that was a really good shout Kev what about you what do you what do you wish for next season Todd Pratt no I'm kidding um I no I I don't want to I don't want to like bang on the same drum but no I, I think you all got it right I mean consistency and like a core group of players returning um and then on top of that, uh, kind of taking that like squeaky wheel philosophy of you always try to improve like the weakest link in your in your team or your squad. Um, I think Justin said it best last week, I guess. I think probably center back and maybe forward. I might be putting words in your mouth, Justin. I can't remember what positions you said. I think that's what you said. Um, but I think... Another premier uh, like center back to, to go alongside uh, Vonky Zeal and 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 maybe just an out and out goal scorer somewhere. I, I think Mensa and, and Dikwa have their place. I think DeSantis as well. But I would say none. I mean, they're they're all different than Nico Brett in a good way. Um, but uh, but where, whereas Nico was just a finisher, um, you know, he could he. This sometimes we can overcomplicate things a lot, and you know Nico's one of those players that simplifies everything. He just shoots the ball really well, and sometimes that's really good. Um, and so something like that would be would be nice, where you know you give him a half a chance and, and they score. Kevin tends to read the cliff notes. Justin, I think you said a, a creative number ten as that's well. That's what it was. Yeah, there you go. So, um, <laughs> Justin, what would you? Uh, what are you wishing for next season? What do you hope Santa brings you for, uh, for the twenty twenty one Hounds? I mean, I'll take that center back and those forwards too, if you want to bring me <laughs> them as well. Uh, I mean, soccer wise, obviously. I mean, I think I've been I've been saying it for a bit. I think I I would really like us to to get a creative number ten assist person. You know, I think. I think one of those things is we've never really seen, we've never really had somebody on the Hounds who has been that kind of like, um, yeah, never is a strong word, um, considering we had the assist leader several years ago. Um, but I think since Rob Vincent, uh, we haven't really had like a creative, you know, like a really strong um, assist person. And I just think like that would, that would help this team, team a lot. Um, and as a complete joke, I, one thing I wish that I I never see again that I hope Santa actually takes away on his way out Don't is Steven, Steven Dos Santos at the holding <laughs> midfielder spot. If that could go away, I'd be I'd be uber thankful. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Liz, wait, was that a boo because you disagree or boo because you agree? 
No, I disagree. You dis you like Dos Santos at sort of a holding mid I spot? I still like Dos Santos. I well, still we still want Dos Santos, just not as a holding mid. Oh, oh, then I have no opinion about where he plays. <laughs> <laughs> I really like him to play. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. Sorry, guys. All right, Liz. So, so Dos Santos not, you know, considered. What What are you hoping for next season? What do you wish for next season? Oh, mine is completely selfish. It is to double the output of Tailgate. So, double the people, mm. way more food. Does um, that mean like two people? Since there was no Tailgate this year, or do you mean like double <laughs> last year? Yeah. The year before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Double double our two years, two seasons ago. Now, I guess for us, whatever it is, like. I don't want to miss out on the growth that we could have had and and the plans that I had for this season. Um, I didn't get to do any of them, and I want to see if they would they would stick, like if it would happen. So I have some big things for tailgate next year. I'm super excited. Speaking of tailgates, I saw I was flipping through my Instagram like this past week. I don't know why I was flipping through my old Instagram posts, and I found uh, the picture that or video that I put up. Um, I think at the Louisville playoff game last year, and. The first comment on it was somebody from out of town who was like, oh, it's so cool that they have tailgating at the soccer games. I was like, <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, well, I do. Don't be a hater. <laughs> Josh, how about you? What are you wishing for next season? Uh, I'm hoping for a little bit more normalcy as far as the, the you know going to the games, even with masks, something like that. But I mean... Also keeping it, because the big thing is consistency, but everyone said that, and we've kind of driven that into the ground now. Uh, don't want to beat a dead horse. But I would say for off-the-field stuff, like the thing that really bummed me out this year the most was probably not being able to do our away trip because we had a bus for the first time in, like, years. We had already rented the bus. Like, we had it all planned out. We're going to Loudoun, and then, you know, obviously COVID hit, and we had to cancel and everything. So, like, getting a, a proper away trip on a bus just sounds like so much fun especially our after this season so yeah i want to do a proper away trip on a bus going somewhere getting crapped out of steel army members there and just you know bringing the noise yeah that's a good shout i guess that my one wish for next season would sort of echo what some of you said but in a little different way i, I think consistency um in the sense of having a full season, <clears throat> excuse me, playing sort of the same teams. So not like this season where we were constantly guessing, like, are we really good? Or are we just good against these teams who aren't really good? Um, you know, sort of a full season again. And it'll be very interesting this off season. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully talking to Tuffy here just to get a sense of like, what's going on financially. Like how does the team keep this up without fans going to the games and like, where is the money coming from and how do we keep doing this? Um, because for all intents and purposes, we have no idea, you know, when a vaccine will be available, what the state of things will be come March and what things will look like. So I think it'll be great to be able to start a season, you know, hopefully late March, play every weekend play every other team in the east and not have this crazy like play the same team three or four times plus oh yeah maybe indy twice kind of thing and and really get a better sense for where this team would be so i'm looking forward to something like that and i'm also looking forward just to sort of see the next evolution of this team you know we've talked about lily evolving and with him the team has evolved and i i like i've mentioned we've seen glimpses this season of 
a completely different Hounds team from what we were three years ago. And and Lily keeps talking about, you know, he he keeps striving for like this this thing that he has in his mind, and whether or not that's the thing. Um, I think will be interesting. And so I think there's a number of factors that you guys had all talked about that all sort of contribute to that thing and seeing what that is. I think that's, that's what I'm most looking forward to come next season. So um, speaking of next season real quick, it was announced this past week that uh, a number of the two teams are leaving the USL altogether. Now I think it was only two teams from the championship and one team from USL league one, but it's a case of where they're not just leaving the championship to go to League One or to League Two. They're just bailing altogether. So um, my question for you guys is, you know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? And just what does this mean? And, and Justin, I want to start with you because I know that you have another podcast where you guys talk about Philly in the MLS state. Um, and obviously Philly has been a two-team in the championship. So from the MLS point of view, what does this mean? Um, how, how do you feel about this? And, and what do you think this means, um, you know, to, 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 to sort of in the evolution of U.S. soccer? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, in the, in the sense of um, kind of Philly and, and what's been going on, I mean, obviously there, there's kind of been this thing out there that, that MLS is creating a reserve league. They're going to they're gonna go back to this thing we've tried multiple times. Which is fine. I, I actually like the move a lot. I think... I think. Um, do you like the move as a Hounds fan, or do you like the move as a Philly fan? Both. Okay. Both, very much. I think... I mean, I think here's the thing. Uh, if I... Let me... I'll, I'll take it first from a Philadelphia perspective. So, it, you think about who who was on Bestile, Philly 2, whatever they're called. Um, you think about who was on that team this year, and, and one of the guys you think about is Paxton Aronson. Uh, obviously, his brother's Brendan, just got transferred to... Red Bull Salzburg, um, huge deal for for the union and all this kind of stuff. But Paxton is 16 years old, new, kind of just signed this year to a first-team contract that will go in effect on January 1st, Um, kind of a big deal and all this kind of stuff. My problem with him playing for Philadelphia Union 2 in the USL Championship is that just creates a culture of losing. And I think it's it's just it's not good. It's it's not good for him to be on this team with a bunch of other sixteen to eighteen to nineteen year olds, and just go out and get smacked every weekend by all these teams in USL. Now they didn't get smacked every weekend this year because they played all the other two teams. But if they in a normal season they go out and get smacked every weekend, and it's just it creates a culture of losing. What I would rather see for a guy like Paxton Aronson is to him get to, for him to get loaned to Pittsburgh or wherever Hartford you know a, a team that is showing potential that has some veterans on the team who can really develop a player who knows who can bring some leadership and some some wisdom around that kid and really continue to develop him rather than him just playing with a bunch of his peers every weekend and so I think that that's why I really like it as a Philadelphia fan from a Pittsburgh fan I love it I like this is going to raise the competition in the league this is going to make the league harder and better um, which I think is going to cause again a every team in the league to try to get better to increase their scouting networks to so i think the league will continue to get better and despite what mls is saying trying to be like oh look our reserve league is going to be more attractional than usl it's not the u23s in the premier league are not are not watched nearly as much as the championship so this move is not going to threaten the championship at all so i just i love it all around 
I think it's the best thing that could happen right now. Steve, what do you think? Um, so, I, I think a lot of this comes down to how different teams approach how they look at their organizations, right? So, uh, we know Philly is one of the teams that's leaving, but we also have seen some indication that potentially some teams like uh, Loudoun United are staying. Um, <clears throat> and I think we talked about a bit, and even Justin and I talked about this in the preview show, how there were similarities between the composition of the roster that we saw between Loudon and Philly when the Hounds played them this year. And, and by that, I mean a lot of really young players. But I don't think that was the intention for uh, the D.C. United organization to have it be a bunch of 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old players in Loudon this year. But what happened was a lot of the players that they expected to be in Loudon got pulled up because D.C. got decimated by injury, right? So D.C. went into the season expecting to field a fairly competitive team in the USL Championship. Um, we've seen it with New York uh, Red Bulls too, right? They've, they've been competitive at the USL Championship level. So if you see teams like D.C. and New York add in a reserve team in addition to a USL championship team, in addition to an MLS team, I think that's a strength that we can see. But if you see teams like Philly trying to add both when they've demonstrated, at least this year, they're not interested in being competitive in the USL. They're interested in getting their young players that are contracted to their MLS team playing time or pulling their academy players up a little bit out of the academy to the next level of play. A reserve league by the MLS, I think, accomplishes that and it doesn't preclude MLS two teams in the USL but I think what it does is it provides another pathway so now MLS does not have to make the decision on an organization by organization uh, basis of if we want our young players getting time do we do USL or do we do nothing now they've got another option and that for me is uh, is a strong benefit um, I'm not sure I agree that it'll make the USL by default better, um, like it'll raise the competition, but what it'll do is it'll definitively drop some of that dead weight, and that needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, as a USL fan, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I want to see more Louisvilles, more Indies, more Tampas, more Charlestons, more, <clears throat> excuse me, North Carolinas. Um, but Josh, you know, you and Liz, obviously, you guys follow the crew. W- what is your take on this? You know, is it a good thing, bad thing? Where do you stand? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's it's also so in order to make these two teams work better in USL, I feel like there has to be more restrictions on the teams as far as short term loans and and rotation of players and that kind of stuff to make it more like a real regular team. Um, and that doesn't help the crew try to develop players. So it's almost like there's competing goals here. The MLS two teams are trying to do something that pretty much goes against the idea of a competitive league and a a pro league um whereas obviously championship wants to make their league look better and and become more professional so it just it doesn't line up at the time when this happened it lined up because we were looking for usl i should say was looking for more you know clout and this kind of gave them a a leg up and it it made them look more like a streamlined you know pipeline to mls and it, it made sense but the league's grown and MLS has grown. MLS can probably handle a reserve league. 
at the time before this happened, if you guys remember what was going on with the reserve league in MLS uh, in 2012, it or eh, I forget what year it was, but anyway, um, they were essentially like having issues scheduling games. They were like playing erratically. I think it was like sometimes teams would go a month without playing a game, and it's just like okay, we have a reserve game this this week, and it was just crazy. So it, it it's if they can if MLS can make a more structured reserve league now, that will be great um for the mls teams and it also will mean that we don't have teams in the usl who are not trying to win the league instead trying to develop players and that's what we need to do to grow as a you know division two soccer league yeah no i fully agree um it'll be very interesting because ironically enough bgn broke the news that these teams were leaving and whether or not this is sort of the first of the teams that are going or not we'll have to sort of wait and see um you know because i do think you know for years we had pointed at at, at philly's organization and the red bulls organization as sort of being these pinnacles of like the way of doing things and uh and over time it just sort of seems like you know the usl is still sort of this amorphous thing i think they're trying to solidify it a bit more but we also saw a lot of these organizations shift um, in the past few years and, and sort of changed their tactics, which, you know, is, is completely in their right. But like I said, I think that, you know, having a championship that's full of teams like Pittsburgh, Louisville, Indy, Tampa, you know, Charleston, Charlotte, North Carolina, I think that that overall produces a better product than when you have teams like you guys have said, where your, your focus is more on developing talent than it is actually trying to win the league. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out, like I said. Um, so we, we've obviously talked about a ton. Um, I, I want to end with one last question. And as we were talking through things, I, was, I started to frame it as a downer, but really we're going we're gonna to spin it more as a positive. So my question was going to be, what player on the Hounds would you be really upset to see them leave next season? But we're going to flip it. We're going to say... If the Hounds keep one player next season, who is it that you hope stays? So, Laura, Ellen, I'm going to start with you. Who is it that you hope stays next season? I'm pretty sure that was the original question. It was the original question, and I was going to spin it, and then I went back to the original, because oh. that's just the kind of night we're having. So, tell <laughs> me who you hope stays. We're clearly having some kind of night. Um <laughs> I would like to see Danny Griffin stay. Uh, Justin was hardcore making fun of me for this. Um, Josh and Liz's cats are having a lot of fun, and I'm enjoying Yes, they watching. are. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we don't hide those things. We celebrate them. Go we ahead, celebrate Lyle. all things and all <laughs> animals. Um, but for Danny Griffin, to me, he was uh, he demonstrated the most potential, I thought, throughout the course of the season. And I would really like to see how he continues to develop under Bob, uh, under Bob's guidance and leadership and coaching. Um, so yeah, for me it's for me it's Danny Griffin, because I, I think at baseline right, like I think there's like a couple players, you know, like Kenny as we talked about at length at the beginning of the podcast that we really don't think Bob is going to get rid of. So, um, yes, the end. Danny Griffin. Okay. Justin, how about you? Tommy V. Tommy V. Short and sweet. No explanation. Nope. All right. Steve, I'll let you follow that one up. 
Well, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to qualify this first by giving a shout out to our good friend on the podcast, Sheets, uh, shoes, uh, his Google spreadsheets. Um, shoes. <laughs> <laughs> shoes with the sh- goats. Yeah, you know, <laughs> shoes, spread, sheets. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, uh, because he tracks uh, options. Uh, and so I just took the liberty of avoiding any player that has an option because I'm like, hey, you know, if they were good this year, they're going to get picked up and I don't have to worry about answering them. Uh, Tommy V for me as well. Uh, I just think his defensive qualities and his consistency in defense is something that we really, really need. And I think that defense we know is a hallmark of Bob Lilly's teams. Uh, Bob Lilly can take a good goalkeeper and make them look excellent because his defensive organization. Um, and that's not a knock on any of the goalkeepers. Um, they work in tandem, but it's part of how his goalkeepers get to be so good. Tell me Kev, you, how about you? He's part of that. Yeah, I don't disagree. Kev, how about you? Same. I think Ryan James was probably rightfully named you know, player of the season by Steel Army. But, uh, I mean, I think Vonky Azil's position is so specialized. You know, we've seen Ryan James cover a lot of different positions. We haven't seen anyone cover Vonky Azil's position. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd say Vonky Azil. Liz? Uh, mine is Ryan James. I just think that he took on a really substantial role when uh, Forbes went down, and I think that he has some real potential to, I don't know, really develop. I don't know. For me, it's that one touch. Like, he had so many good first touches, and um, just to see how he could, you know, develop not only his leadership, but is that something that is consistent with him? I That's who I want to see the most. Josh? Uh, going with something different, I'm going to say Mertz. Um, it's, it's just essentially, it's, we've talked about it before, but to see him leave, I don't think he's going to go to MLS next season. So if he were to leave our team, it would probably be to another USL team. And that would absolutely suck. Like, I don't want to see Mertz wearing a different USL team's jersey. I just don't want to see that. Like, I want to see him in MLS, sure, but no to USL, so... That would that would really suck if he left. I my vote was going to be Mertz as well, which is funny because there's seven of us and what we talked about three players that we talked about as sort of the core: Griffin, Tommy V, Mertz. Um, oh no, and Ryan James four. Sorry, I can't count. It's been a long day. Anyway, um, yeah, I agree. I think that I think that Mertz is sort of the heart of this team and from not just an on the field perspective, because we've seen, you know, times when the team has not been playing their greatest and you still see Mertz giving 175%. But I also think from a growth of the team and the city perspective, you know, you look at all the radio interviews, it's Mertz. They put him forth. The guy knows how to talk on air. He knows all the right things to say. He knows how to draw people in. He's a Pittsburgh kid. So I think, you know, he checks the box on the field and he checks the box off the field as well. So, um, yeah, to, if, if we came out next season and it was like, oh, Mertz is playing for Tampa, I'd be like, what the heck? <laughs> Liz, what, uh, what do you got? I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. So I felt like he got a lot faster this year compared to last year. Did I imagine it? Was I not paying attention? Can someone, like, does anyone else feel that way? I just felt like he was a lot faster this year. I mean, I I felt like there were moments where he definitely seemed faster. It, I think that the evolution of Mertz, um, you know, last season was a rookie season. I think there was a lot that was asked of him in this offseason. And I think especially when Kenny went down, he sort of took a lot on his shoulders. 
And so he sort of stepped up. Steve, you're gesturing as if like, what? Kenny went down? What are you talking about? Gesturing to other things I was seeing on the screen. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> when you said Mertz, uh, uh, I did want to speak. Uh, when you said Mertz, um, that, that made me think back to our discussion last week. And is he one of those players that regardless of what his playing ability is worth, is he worth much more to the team? And does that make it so much more important for him to get re-signed? I, I think he. I think that's true yeah. with him, and I think it's true with him for not like like Michael was just saying. It's not just on the field. It's also like he's also become like, like kind of like a different mascot for the team, and the fact he's also a success story for uh, academies and for you know local homegrown players. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a situation where the branding around Mertz is really important as far as the uh, all of the Riverhounds organization. And the involvement of the Mertz family with the Riverhounds. <laughs> yes. They, they, the whole extended family comes to the games, and they've had the entire team out to their house. They, you know, they do family dinners for the entire team. Like, they do a lot to, like, build that cohesion, and maybe that's a part of why the locker room was the way it was. Um, I think that that's, it's an entire picture that's beyond the field. Yeah, and let's let's not forget that, you know, prior to COVID hitting, the Hounds have been working on this massive training facility for both the team and the academy, <laughs> and that, you know, having somebody like Mertz to stand there on a commercial and be like, come, play for the academy at our brand new thing. You know, I came through the academy. Is I would be shocked. Let me just put it this way. I would be shocked if Mertz is not with, back with the team last next year. I think that's the one that would be like, what? But... <sighs> guys you know we're once again we're like at time we're past time which mm-hmm. is crazy um was there anything else that we wanted to talk about on this episode i there are a couple plugs that i need to throw out don't think i forgot because somebody added laura ellen <laughs> but is there anything else that we wanted to it was say? me I, I know but she's the one giving me the crazy eye oh, okay. um is I'll there anything sure. else <laughs> that we wanted to talk about in sort of our wrap-up you know, I think there's a lot we'll talk about in the after show, but anything else that we wanted to sort of close this part two of the wrap up with? I mean, I think Justin. I think overall, I think, I mean, it was a great season. It was literally a great season. I mean, in the midst of everything that was going on, the fact that to to the majority extent, the USL kept their players healthy, kept their players safe. They were able to get the season in. Yes, we had complaints about who our opponents were and everything else. But I feel like it would have been a tough late summer, early fall without having something to look forward to every Saturday night and being able to watch the games and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, thank the USL for that. But also just, I mean, I just, I thought the Hounds played great and I thought they played a, a good season. Uh, unfortunately, their dip came at the wrong time, but that's what happens, unfortunately, at times. Um, so, yeah, it was a great season. 100% agree. I mean, I, it, it cannot be understated that in the situation in the world that we're in, you know, the USL was able to keep the vast majority of its teams and coaches healthy when our own government couldn't do the same thing. So, like, kudos to the USL for, for getting it done. Um, but that's sort of where we are. Guys, um, one thing that I, I failed to do on the last episode, and we talked a little bit during the after show, was we got to plug soccer better. You know, Liz and Laura Allen, you guys uh, have been killing it on your show, and that's part of the reason why we haven't heard from you um, so much on the Mongols side of things. But tell us a little bit about soccer better, what you guys have been talking about this season. Um, 
you know, give your plug. Sell people on, on why they should go listen. Because we all know they should listen, but, but sell us on why. Yeah, so I'll start and then I'll toss to you, Liz. Soccer Better is a is the intersection of nerddom and soccer. And as a scientist myself, I have been in school for so many years. Um, Liz has also been in school for a lot of years. And we thought that we needed to use all those years of education to do something you know, seemingly productive. And so what we do is we look at a piece of soccer or sports research and we talk about it and we kind of, you know, talk about the methods, talk about the results, but then what we spend a lot of time doing is really talking about how we can apply it to our lives, which I think is really the best part of research is taking it and applying it to the world around us. And so what we've been doing, we've been releasing two episodes a month. Uh, so we did a four episode kind of short season last year, year and a half ago, I don't know, a while ago. Um, and then in August, we started releasing uh, an episode the first Saturday and the third Saturday of the month. So two episodes a month. We try and keep them shorter. So they're like 25 to 35 minutes. Um, yeah. And so we'll, we're doing 10 uh, episodes this season and then we'll probably start back up again in early 2021. Um, so Liz, did I miss anything? It's super exciting. I love no. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm an avid reader. I think Laura, Ellen and I both active read a lot. So we take a lot of notes on everything that we read and just reading an article and seeing how we can apply it to making the world and soccer better has been it's super interesting. So if you have an article or something you want us to research, let us know. We'll, we'll do the research for you. Yeah, and by research, definitely. she means reading, not the actual <laughs> research. Oh, yeah, we're not doing the work, <laughs> but we'll talk about somebody else's Listen, work. you guys do far more work than we do, at least on the analysis show. I, you know, Justin and Steve, I know you guys do a lot of stats and, and research stuff, but on, on the prime, on, on, on the uh, Monday show, we, we definitely don't do nearly as much as you guys do. So definitely appreciate all the work you guys are doing at Soccer Better. Um, and, uh, and absolutely, everyone go check it out. It's available on all of the major podcasting platforms. So just search for Soccer Better. Uh, add it to your list, get the latest episodes, and go listen to some of the back episodes as well because definitely worth a listen. Um, really, really good insight and really thought-provoking things that you know you may not have considered, and it, it sort of gives you a different angle and a different lens to sort of think through uh, a lot of these topics, which, again, I think that's sort of what we're all trying to do is just sort of bring up different topics and you know maybe make you think a little bit differently than you may have otherwise. So. Um, not that we're trying, where am I going with this? Not that we're trying to like mind meld you, but anyway, moving on. That is what we think. Everyone's shaking their heads. Like just wrap it up, Mike. Just wrap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Thank you to everybody for listening all season long. Like I said, we are going to start lining up a bunch of shows in the off season and figure out, you know, what we want to do. Um, and, and, and sort of what you'd like us to talk about and, you know, whether or not that's bringing in players, whether or not that's talking about, Premier League, whether that's talking about whatever, let us know what you think. Um, you know, obviously go to mongols.com, click on support the show, become a Patreon follower. Right after this, we're going to do an after show. We always do an after show. They are a ton of fun. $1 a month, you get access to all of those after shows. 
Um, lots of different ideas there. So like I said, mongols.com, click on support the show. Weekly reminder, Black Lives Matter. Go get the Steel Army shirt. Love Pittsburgh, hate racism, Black Lives Matter over at steelarmy.com. Wear your damn mask. Um, as you know, I think it was Liz mentioned, we have, or no, Laura Ellen, you mentioned Mongols masks at the stadiums. Um, just wear your mask. It's not difficult. It seems like we're in a period where people are starting to get lapsed and just tired of wearing masks, but this is right when you need to wear them. So wear your mask. Um, speaking of masks, you can get custom masks made by one of our primary sponsors, which is Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Uh, looking for great USL news? Head over to the BGN.FM. As we mentioned, uh, Phil over there broke the news about the two teams that were leaving USL before anybody else. So we have tons of writers, tons of podcasts, soccer betters over there that, um, uh, you know, Views from the Bridge, which is Justin's show about uh, Philly Union is over there. Tons of amazing people producing amazing content. Just go check it out. BGN.FM. Otherwise, thank you. Everyone, as always, we will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. Love you, bye. bye. See ya. <laughs>